Hello, Sold viewers. Big Ronnie here with another Sold Stay at Home series episode where we go behind the scenes of some of your favorite artists to show you that they are thriving, still working, dealing with this corona pandemic bullshit as well as they can. Uh, they're just like us. They can't sleep. They eat weird shit. Uh, they're going nuts. So uh, I can't wait to talk to our, our guest today and find out what they're up to. Today is May 7th. This is the start of the fifth week of our stay at home series. I can't believe it's been four solid weeks already. 26 interviews uh, with 26 artists and I've learned a lot. I've learned how people are dealing. I've learned how the the human spirit is resilient and will wills go on. And I'm trying not to be too much like Celine Dion on that one. But anyway, to support us, support Sold, support what we're working on. We got some things cooking. We got some new uh, entertainment ideas and some new publication ideas that we're going to be working on. But check out patreon.com backslash Sold Magazine. And with that, I would like to bring in today's guest, Birdcap. How are you today, man? I'm good, man. Just getting up. <laughs> now, you, unlike myself, are taking care of that beard. Is that just for, because you knew you'd be on camera today, or do you like to take care of it normally? I got to take care of it, or I just, uh, like, there's so few parts of my body that um, I can, like, I can make look okay. Um, so I just thought, I got to at least try to, like, thin up the sides of my beard, because my beard grows crazy wide if I don't control it. So I just started looking like a hobbit, uh, like a dwarf from the hobbit type thing my face squares up way too much are you prepared to prove that you're wearing pants no yeah see i i, li I respect your honesty good for you uh i'm not sure i would have put pants on for me either now where are you locked down where are we where are we speaking to you from i'm in memphis tennessee i'm in my kitchen i've, I've been to a lot of states most of them but i've never been to tennessee uh, what is it like there? Are people respecting the lockdown? Are people toting their guns and want to go out? What's the deal? Bro, I don't know. The South is complicated. I hate, like, getting getting on any sort of forum and talking bad about it because I feel like it's, like, well, uh, re like, the information's out there, the stereotypes about us isn't completely unfounded. Um I don't want to add to that fire. A lot of people in Memphis are trying real hard. I love Memphis. Uh, I'm from Mississippi. In general, like, it's one of those, like, weird situations where, like, the, the pandemic's not really that high in numbers in Mississippi, right? Uh, people naturally are social distanced in the country. So, like... It doesn't matter how insane they are or what, like, stupid political views they might have. They're, like, safer than people in big cities uh, when, it, when it comes to stuff like this. A lot of people aren't respecting it. Um, I went out to, like, Lowe's because I had to get a table for my studio. And I had, like, my mask with a bandana over it. I had gloves. And I was, like, just thinking about where my hands went the whole time. Uh, and then there were just like 300 people. It was the most packed I've ever seen a, a Lowe's or like a Home Depot. It was 900 rednecks, masks off. Like it was like Christmas because they just got off work and they had home repair to do. How so, are things back home in Mississippi? Do you still have family there? Yeah. Uh, less and less, man. I, my mom passed away in February. So I got my dad out there. 
and that's about it. So I, I try to call him every day, but I can't visit him, of course. He's like, he checks all the the susceptible boxes. So okay. yeah, got it. Daily. Now you are, you're an art school kid. Uh, yeah, that'd be fair. Like, uh, in, embarrassed to be art school kid. No, no, don't ever be embarrassed to have an education. And the and the artist. I'm not embarrassed to have an education. I, I went. I wish I. I don't. I wish. I'm glad it went the way it did. I guess, but it would have been cool to major in history or like another language. I feel like some of it was like riding a bike without moving. It's funny that you say language because you know so, so much of your artwork comes from. Uh, and I'm just assuming here. You'll you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, animation, anime, storytelling, things like that. And that that's really all history is. And 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 for the for the most part, you're painting on the street. You're the uh you're the modern day cave painters, no? Yeah, I mean I think there's a lot of cool like history to it that like uh I don't know, thickens the clout a bit. Like I really love uh Roman history and so like the idea of like how common graffiti was in ancient Rome and how political it could be or how like banal it could be. I, I, I like that relationship historically. Like we always talk about graffiti history as if it starts in 1965 in New York and a certain like aspect of it certainly does. But then there's also that like graffiti in the pyramids of the workers signing their names and and the Roman streets filled with like uh, Brutus cutting off the head of Caesar. And, you know, there's, it's just like such a long history that I think it's uh, shorted out when we talk about it these days. You know, one of my favorite old uh, graffiti precursors is the, the hobo code. We learned oh, right. yeah. hobogliffs. Yep, where where all the bums would paint over and around people's houses to show, stay away from this guy, this lady will feed you, this person has good beer, stuff like that, all along the the railroad tracks. Yeah, that stuff's really, really cool. Uh, and then, like, the that kind of transformed into, like, monikers and stuff, because a lot of the same people were, like, tagging on trains, and it became about, like, being prolific and kind of had like a notoriety to it. And then train conductors started doing it as well because they had so much off time in the yard. Uh, yeah, man, those things are awesome. Now, wh where does your style, the, the animation style, where's the deck, where does that come from? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would never, like, I'm fine with it being described as an animation style. I never thought of it in those terms before. I grew up watching a lot of cartoons. I think I'm real influenced by like, by those childhood memories. Cause I tried so long to draw in a non-cartoon way, but it did feel like my hand was hardwired for cartooning. So I grew up watching Nickelodeon. I think a lot of my stuff looks like Nickelodeon shit from the nineties. Um, I, I grew up reading comics nonstop. I grew up, uh, you know, in that vein. So it's real natural for me to want to draw cartoony. Yeah, it, it looks to me, and, and again, correct me, but it, lo it looks like you just, it was a, an animation cell snapshot. I could see your stuff come into life. I could see the movement in the waves, and you know what I mean? Uh, let, let, let's talk about the, the piece that you did with Big Crit. How did that come about? Oh, man, that was so, wow. I've been a big fan of Crit for, like, ever since he came out. Um, he's from Mississippi too. 
you know, we started getting his like his music long before it kind of got traction. And I was just like, finally, there's an artist from Mississippi I really like can be proud of. And it's not like he doesn't do this right, but this is good. Like, it used to be you just found the best aspect of it and gassed it. Um, but yeah, he hit me up like about a year ago out of the blue. Like I was in D.C. Um, hanging out with Kelly Towels and Nosego. And I get this phone call and uh, it was like, hey, my name's Dutch. Uh, I'm Big Crit's manager. Do you want to paint a mural for him? And I was like, what? And then we started talking. Um, he didn't even know I was from Mississippi. And then once I told him that, he was like, oh, let's try to get you on a few projects. So they flew me around for a bit, like a month, two months. Uh, so I painted one in Houston, Chicago, Denver, and Jackson, Mississippi. That's great. Man, it was it was real fun. Uh, it was like bucket list sort of life. For the moment. So, how are you handling the the lockdown now? Are you are you trying to crank out work? Are you working on new skills or the things you want to pick up? What do you want to come out of lockdown with? Uh, I'm still. I've been pretty busy, man. Um, so, like like everybody else during lockdown, pretty much all my murals got postponed. I have one or two indoor murals I'm still doing but all the festivals are up in the air and then um, like three or four kind of like large jobs I was depending on all pulled out. But all right, now I'm the artist in residency for Dirty Bird Records out of San Francisco. And uh, because all their concerts canceled, they're just releasing more albums than normally would. And as the resident artist, I do the album art for each album. So instead of 20 this year, they're making 40. And so that's 40 illustrations. Oh, poor baby. Got too much work from the record company. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it couldn't have lined up like a bad situation and a good salve for it kind of hit right, right at the same time. No, that's so, great. And it's, it's uh, a, a lot of people can't take advantage of, of increases like that. You know, not only the, the, the time aspect, uh, you know, because a working artist should have the same amount of time every day as they do now under lockdown, you know, so uh, doubling an output like that is pretty great. Yeah, I mean, there's other, like, if I didn't have those jobs, there's, like, long-term projects I would work on. Um, I don't know what I would do if not for, like, working. You know, I'm work-obsessed. I, I draw 12 hours a day, whether it's, like, posted or it ends up getting thrown away, like, it's all I do other than eat and sleep. Um, Let's talk about eating. What's any new recipes on the, uh, the lockdown menu? What are you cooking up over there? Nah, dude, I'm real lazy. I, uh, I steam some rice. I throw some dwinjan uh, paste in it, a Korean bean paste. It's real salty. Uh, put some eel sauce on top of that, drop a can of tuna, and then have it with seaweed. I ate that you know, 10 times a week at this point. That is the healthiest that we've done. This is the 27th interview, and by far, Mr. Birdcap, that is the healthiest thing anyone has ever said that they eat. I don't think it's that healthy. It's like a lot of rice. Well, rice and salt isn't the worst thing in the world for you today, as long as you don't have blood pressure. Anyway, moving on from food, what do you, you know, one more food question. What do you miss? Where could you go right now if you could? What do you wish was open? Man, uh... The Vietnamese spots, Memphis has real good Vietnamese spots. I miss Phong Long, I miss Phu Binh. Uh, but also just like eating a shitty like fast food burger 
in the middle of the mall on like a sticky table. I'm with you. I'm with you. The experience. I completely agree. There's, there's a bit of America that is absolutely missing and fast food is a part of it. Yeah, yeah. But like just like the lounging in a dying mall, I miss that. Because I used to go to like, we got Oak Court Mall, like three people go in there a day. And like, you know, that's my like break room. I just walk around it and buy shoes. <laughs> what, are you, what are you listening to while you're working at home? Um... I've been going through uh, Circles, the Mac Miller thing that came out um, a, a good bit. It's nice and low-key. Um, a lot of Brother Ali because I'm old and uh, I like that backpack rap stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks, man. Mythos by Stephen Fry. Um, just finished a book by Madeline Miller called Circe. Um, and then I got her other book on audio. So I'm about to try it out. It's called Songs of Achilles. Any podcast you're listening to? Uh, not so much lately. I was listening to The Daily a lot. And then at a certain point, I was just like, the world's going to end. <laughs> like, it was just closing me down too much. So I've been avoiding, like, I read my news at lunch. And then I try not to fuck with it again for the rest of the day. Cause I'll just go crazy on it. Like I'll post like 20 like signs of the oblivion on my Instagram story. And I'm like, that wasn't necessary. It was like my way of like feeling like I helped when I didn't help at all. Just like, I'll scream too. And then people will know the media, <laughs> the media is coming. <laughs> so it's safer just to keep the news off. Well, like it's a thin line, right? Yeah. I'd, you need to know what the fucking news is saying. You got to read the articles. But I was getting to the point where I was like doing it like six times a day. Like I'd be upset if there wasn't an update or a new article to read. That's like too much. Because at the end of the day, like all I did was like freak myself out. What is the, what's the street art scene like in Nashville? Are there, are there galleries? Are there, are, you know, is there a crowd? I'm in Memphis. That's what I meant. Of Nashville. Now, Nashville's cool. There's a lot of people working in Nashville right now. Um, Memphis, there's a few things, like, percolating. So, like, I think with any graffiti scene, it goes in waves where there's, like, big hit. There's, like, ten active painters for a bit. And then he gets arrested. He has a kid. This one becomes professional. They become a tattoo artist. And that wave sort of dies out. Right now, we're kind of going through a blank period where, like, um, I'm here, but then my best buddy, he moved to Detroit. Um, there's a young kid named Tunky who's doing murals. But it's just a weird time. Like, no one jumps into graffiti anymore because they know, like, straight from school, you can be a muralist now. You don't have to get lost in the desert for a bit. Um, so not a lot of graffiti. There's some art galleries. They're not really, like, they're not pushing this genre or anything. All my shows are out of town. Um, a place called The Collective, which is like a Black-only like art co-op, um, is probably the coolest thing happening in Memphis right now. They just bought a big-ass building, like an abandoned building, and they're going to turn it into something for like tutoring kids and art and residency and art studios and their gallery. And that's probably the coolest thing in Memphis and probably the hippest thing in Memphis. Um, but I just support it again. They're like, they're black only and the rest of the spaces are like fairly boring and white. So, uh, I avoid those. 
Now, I was taking a look at your website earlier, and you, you keep a good resume of all of the galleries and the shows that you have been into. Uh, is this a good time now maybe to reach out to them? And, you know, you know they're hurting, you know they're, they're you know, looking for people to work with or looking for opportunities. Could this be, a, you know, a time to, to dig down and look backwards about, you know, some of your relationships from the past? Um, possibly, man. I haven't done it. Uh, like, the only gallery I've really worked with in, like, a, like, I'd say a serious way is Chicago Trueborn. And, you know, I talk to her pretty often or say what's up. Um, you know, if I wanted a show down the road, I'm, she she'd give it to me she's real like uh she is like she, she doesn't pull punches and she doesn't hide and you don't have to court it like if y'all are friends y'all are friends i'm not really much of a gallery artist yet i'm trying to get better in that vein trying to make small work that like feels successful but right now i still kind of feel like uh, an orangutan like there's this story about orangutans uh watching an anthropologist and they started taking clothes from the clothing line and like rubbing it in the river because they saw the anthropologist doing it. But the anthropologists were cleaning the clothes and orangutans were just shoving it in mud and ripping it and then they put it back on the line. That's how I feel when I'm doing canvas work. It's like, is this right? And then <laughs> it's not. Some of this mud is sticking. Yeah, yeah, I've ruined these clothes. Um, but the illustrations, uh, that's why I've been focusing more on. I'm, I'm making like a, when I'm not working for Dirty Bird, I'm working towards a, like a large scale graphic novel, um, sort of about grief and like, it's gonna be called the Grief Handbook. And it's a lot of like short vignettes of like mini narratives about that. What do you hope is gonna change about the scene or about people or about society that's going to come out of this because if there isn't some change that comes out of this then it was all a waste and we learned nothing and fuck us i i don't know i think i don't think we change very fast and i think you know on a micro personal level i hope we all just appreciate each other while we have us uh, because it's more delicate than I think we assume, especially like younger people. Um, like having this happen right after my mom's passing has just made it all like, okay, I'm very not in control of how people are gonna do, what's gonna happen. Um, so I don't, I don't expect major changes. I expect young people to be very concerned with the things they're concerned with and old people to be very set in the ways they're set in. And um, I don't want to be like pessimistic, but also like, you know, maybe a few people will wash their hands a bit more, but I wouldn't expect like people to be like, let's like stop being commodities. Like capitalism isn't going to end. And so I'm going to still like one week after this, I'll be like, oh, my worth is sort of the same as my bank. And like, I need to produce projects. Even now, like when I have all this free time, I'm trying to read more and I'm trying to think more without some gadget on. And still after I'm done with that, I'm like, okay, now what products can I make? Because like I'm a product maker and I don't know if that's going to change. I don't think it's healthy, but I also don't see myself like 
going through a revolution about that. Well, they, you know what they say, until your products are people, you're the product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a nice thought. It'd be good to change. It's also real scary to stop making, like, bird cap stickers. Like, you know, it's your safety thing. I don't think you have to stop making them. Hey, it certainly makes it harder because uh, it's all very associated with, like, making my time into a commodity that I can sell for attention and money. Let, let's talk about it. Where did the name come from? Birdcap? Um, I was drunk in South Korea painting, and uh, the person I painted with back then was a lady named Junkhouse. She's a Korean muralist. Uh, and she always did characters. And I just wanted my name to sort of like mimic her name. So it was like two random words, two syllables. And I was like, ah, oh, Birdcap. Like I've said the name, I think I used Birdcap before in like high school when I would draw like cartoons of Egyptian gods on like baseball caps. So like if there was a Horus head here, I'd call that a bird cap. I, I didn't use it a lot. It was like this one time in a book or like a sketchbook. And then drunkenly, that's just what uh, I remembered. Did you ever have your uh, a moment on the street, vandal style? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say like, I still do work that's like not legal, but like I'm not a a dangerous type of person. I painted in a lot of like, abandoned areas of town. I'll paint like under trains or, or under bridges. That's what I did in Korea a lot. Um, and some of those were like riskier than others, but I was never like, I never climbed a billboard. Um, I've painted trains a few times, but like not a thousand times, you know? Um, never grew up with letters. Uh, had a streaker for a long time, would do little moniker cartoons all over. Um, when I started, it seemed like really, like that. that's why I started is the, the legal stuff was so fun. Even if it was like an abandoned, like it wasn't necessarily adrenaline. It was this, the fact that it was like costing me money and no one cared that I did it. <laughs> or my like my my other friends who did it so like the whole thing was just like have a thing to do this weekend and if i do it good enough maybe my friend will like it and so like there were no legal walls for the first couple years but they weren't like scary walls either you know i'd i'd case a place find an abandoned place go into it i knew no one was gonna fuck with me and i'd paint i'd waste my own money take a photo send to my friends if they liked it i felt good about myself uh, I had no idea that it could be a career and like, it's great that it's a career, but I think the magic and what makes you fall in love with it is almost the opposite where it's like, this cannot, I can't turn this into anything. This is only for fun and only for friendship. And that's what makes it so special. I think when you start, so, I feel bad for kids to grow up now with the scene as big as it is. Because in some ways, they'll never get that, like, the joy in how, like, fruitless it is. <laughs> well, in the beginning, until yeah. you start getting a, yeah. But now, like, when you start out, I think you compare yourself to, like, I know this isn't a fruitless endeavor, so I'm just bad. And so it's already, like, a work atmosphere where you have to be better. But when I started, like, 
I didn't care if, like, I'd be happy if it looked a little shittier sometimes or like, because no one was looking. So there was a real freedom to just be wild, sort of. Um, You're still the kid painting and uh, assuming that everybody's going to love what he creates, even if they don't. Well, I only had four people to look at it. So like if those four people, like if Junkhouse liked it, I was a real painter. That was like, I only knew like three graffiti writers. So if they liked it, I was real. And all I wanted to be was them. Uh, so that's how I started. None of it was legal, but you know, I wasn't like smashing town and I wasn't trying to be all city. It was like, I'd go out and paint for like four hours with like brushes, like <laughs> in an abandoned place. Um, and in Korea, it's like, it's like less dangerous like there was like a privilege to it. Like I painted out in the public street next to a bus stop and like no one stopped me. I knew the store was closed that day, but also like I'm like a gigantic white dude with a beard. So it just seemed like I must, I must be there on purpose. Like it, it was too weird to be legal. And so like, you know, there were certain exploits to I think well, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of brilliance, but you know, for going for the invisible in plain sight type of yeah. Well, it's also like knowing their cops won't beat me up. Like they have fairly nice police, and also they're like nice to foreigners. Whereas, like if you're a foreigner in like Mississippi and you're <laughs> painting something illegal, it's like it's a terrible situation for you. So there was like there was a lot of privilege involved knowing that I won't be killed or anything like that. Well, let me, let me tell you, Burkett, uh, that was the fastest 25-minute interview we've ever had. We like to keep them short because I think a lot of people's attention spans, even now during the pandemic, they're going from this to that to this. And I think when we put up a bunch of interviews at once, people just want to skip through them. So we're going to try and keep them short. But I really appreciate your time today, man. Uh, I, I look forward to meeting you in, in purpose, uh, definitely in, in, in person. Definitely a fan of your work, and um, you know half half the team was excited for us to uh, to talk to you today. Well, fuck the other half, and uh, and yeah, man, I'm really sorry for showing up late. I totally uh, switched Eastern and Western in my head, and I was like, ah, I'm in no rush. I was just like rolling around in bed, and then I got your Instagram DM, and I was like, oh fuck. Nah, don't don't even sweat it. I, t I told Eric, I said, if people cancel, they no show they're late. There's no big deal. I got nothing else to do to right now. <laughs> well, so it's all the same. I appreciate the patience with me, man. I appreciate it. Before we let you go, let everybody know where they can find you online. Um, you can find me on Instagram at birdcap, um, on Twitter at Michael Roy Art. I wouldn't follow me on Twitter. It's just like sad reshares of political shit. Um, and website is birdcap.net awesome and let that be a reminder and a, 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 a nice little opportunity for our viewers go to birdcap.net and check out the web pages of other artists working today it's a great time to support them and show them that you appreciate their work maybe buy a small piece if you can swing it if you're a gangster go for a commission i'm <laughs> sure people are re waiting for the opportunity to do some new work and meet some new customers today so don't be shy. Support the scene. And uh, we are sold out with Birdcap. Thanks a lot, buddy. Yeah, man. Appreciate y'all. All right. Bye-bye.